Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rational Talks podcast. Today, we have a special surprise guest. But before I introduce you, I'll just leave a word for our sponsors. Construction DPE. Construction DPE for all your renovation, landscaping, and construction needs. Construction DPE is the company to call for all your construction needs. Don't hesitate. Call Construction DPE. So, all right, guys, today I'm very proud to have on as a guest former captain of the Montreal Impact and inaugural, one of the two inaugural inductees to their wall of fame, Neville Pizzolito. Neville spent 11 years on the impact with small stints in Italy and the USL Richmond Kickers. He also represented his country when playing for Canada on the international scene. So excited him, so excited for him to tell his story on my podcast. Everybody, welcome to Neville Pizzolito. Hi, Neville. Hi, Costa. How are you, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I'd like to first off thank... Uh, give you gratitude and thank you for coming on the podcast. It's, been, it's really appreciated. Oh, it should be a fun pleasure. conversation. It's my pleasure. Whenever I can talk soccer, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. All right. So let's not waste any time. Let's dive right in. I'd like you to tell us how, when growing up in Montreal as a young kid, how did you fall in love with the game of soccer? Um, I guess it had to be through, through my dad's influence. My dad uh, actually came from Italy uh, when he was about 13 years old. Went to school here, high school at that point, and then uh, started playing soccer uh, in the semi-pro leagues. Uh, back in the day, which were actually quite good leagues here in, in Montreal area. Uh, they had a, a lot of tight rivalries um, between the Greeks, the Italians, the Portuguese, uh, and also against uh, Toronto teams. It was actually a, a, a decent level of, of competition. Uh, my dad was a player. He played. Uh, he was one of the all-stars of that league. He uh, scored lots of goals. He was a forward. Um, and then he started coaching my brother and I uh, when we were younger. Uh, once he stopped playing and started to get to work. And, um, yeah, that's where you start falling in love with the game. Uh, you know, just the ambiance, the people around you, your, you know, your friends that would come to the field with you and uh, your friends that you met at the field that you wouldn't normally see uh, in and around school. Um, so yeah, it's, it started with that influence for sure. Um, and then as you get older, you just kind of, it, it, it's kind of hard not to love this game. Oh yes. It's, <laughs> that's why they call it the beautiful game for a reason, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, did you, because back at, when you were growing up, I guess we're maybe a bit of different in age, but maybe not too much. Talk about five, six years. Yeah. It was really harder back then to catch uh, European soccer on, on television. Absolutely. So yeah. We we had to build our 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 love for the game through, like you said, your father, our parents, yeah. maybe uh, through international tournaments because we used to catch the Euros yeah. and the and the the uh, World Cup. The World Cup. But yeah. but um, then once you start playing right away, you fall in love with it. Yeah. And no, then for sure. When when it was 
when it started to become a bit more competitive for you, uh, we'll say what, around 12, 13 uh, years old? I, I would say, uh, no, I know the exact age, around 15 years old. That was, okay. uh, uh, or maybe even 14, because I was, uh, th that's when the Quebec selections started. Oh, okay. Uh, the, so, what they call elite, right? Uh, Quebec yeah, elite. The, yeah. the, the Quebec elite that would play in, in a provincial uh, nationwide tournament against every province. And usually from those tournaments, uh, the national team gets uh, find, finds their players for the under 16 and under 17 uh, World Cup qualifying and World Cup. So I, at 14 years old, when I tried, I actually tried at a younger age to make a, a higher uh, jump. So I was 14 or 13 and a half trying to make the under 15s. Oh. I didn't I didn't get make the first year. Uh, they were telling me not to worry, you know, I, it's not your age group. Uh, so we came back the next year. I did very well. I got on that team. Um, and then we started that tournament. The tournament was held at McMaster University uh, down in Hamilton. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we would have every province. We would we, we had three, three games. Um, to get out of your group and then uh, play the semifinals and finals. So on that first year, uh, the Quebec, we got into the gold medal game. We, we won the silver silver medal. And from there, I got chosen to the under-16 tryout camp, which where they had an Eastern uh, tryout camp and a Western for the, the Western kids. And uh, yeah, I was one of the, the only Quebecers to, to make that team. Uh, this in this period that you're talking about was this uh, more of playing for the Quebec selection or from because from the research I've done preparing for this uh, podcast I read that you played for Sporting Patriot right yes exactly so, so Sporting Patriot was our league team we oh, had okay. a, actually we had a fantastic team actually uh, uh, throughout the years we actually just got stronger and stronger when we merged with the Portuguese side uh, Sporting Club. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it just brought a whole new level to our because uh, we were uh, Notre Dame de Patriot de la Consolata, okay. so near Papino Villary area. Uh, then we ended up merging with uh, the sporting, uh, the Portuguese side that was located in Saint Laurent, uh, near Rachel area. So we kind of got the best Portuguese players and the best, the best. either Italians or mixed players that we had uh, on our team. And we ended up forming a, a, an unbelievable team, which was actually coached by my dad and uh, the late, great uh, Ger uh, Gerardo Tangredi, who is, yes, heard who about just him. passed away. Yeah, he, he, his, uh, his son played with us. He was a goalie, played with me with the impact as well. Uh, we're still great friends today. Uh, he was doing great work in RDP at a point. Um, so, yeah. He, so that's where the, the, the name Sporting Patriot came about, from the yes, merger of both teams. From the merger, exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually, I, I always thought we had at least three to four to five guys on our team that could make the Quebec Select and uh, maybe even the national team. Wow. But again, it comes down to the people at the Quebec, uh, you know, looking at everyone and, and yeah. the cuts. And there was only a couple of us who, from my team, who, who was able to join that uh, Quebec Select squad and get chosen for the, the national team. So, How was it? How was the, the, the aspect of, uh, at that age, which is a very important age for development, 14, 15, 16 years old, yeah. how, how was the, um, actually the development part of it, the practices, yeah. were the coaches, were they well adapted to, to develop young players at that age? Not, not as, no, I, I, I would say no, not as, uh, as we are today. Mm -hmm. uh, look, we, we got together uh, for a camp of three days uh, to get, to get a, 
the, the, the team just to get the team chosen. Okay. So they did one in the West and the West Coast, one in the East Coast. Um, so that was two weekends, and then putting the team together, uh, we maybe stayed together for about two weeks, three weeks maximum mm. at McMaster University. At, while we would play exhibition games, train twice a day, uh, we'll, you know, work extremely hard to get to our fitness level uh, way up as well. And uh, I would say maybe about a month in all, all together. Uh, and then we were thrown out into the CONCACAF uh, World Cup qualifying, uh, oh. which we actually did very well. We came, I believe, second, and we qualified for the, the Japan World Cup in 93. You, end up, you ended up playing in that, uh, yeah, in we that ended World up playing, Cup, right? we ended up getting destroyed. <laughs> but, uh, but, but that must have been still a fun back, experience, though. Yeah, absolutely great experience, but also does come back to, like you were saying, the lack of preparation. Because mm -hmm. uh, even though we qualified, we all, after that tournament in CONCACAF, we all kind of went back to our own uh, homes, our own club teams, uh, kept playing in our club teams. And then when we got the call, we maybe stayed about a month again together, the, the team, to prepare to go to Japan. Uh, we never played any international yeah. games. We didn't play friendlies, nothing for preparation. Yeah, we played some friendlies, but we're against local teams, like uh, oh, okay. local, uh, uh, from Ontario, some from Vancouver. So when we got there, it was it was a big shock. Uh, we, we played Nigeria, I believe it was the first game. We lost five nothing or seven Ooh. nothing. One of the two. I want to forget <laughs> that game. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we lost to Australia and Argentina five nothing and four nothing, something along those lines as well. So, so you lost all three games in the group stage. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it was a great experience. It opened your eyes to what's around you, uh, mm. what you need to do to get better, how much more you need to get better. Um, so yeah, it was. It, and like you said, it's not as accessible as today. Whereas you can kind of look into these things. You go, you know, you go on the internet to kind of find out past experiences. You yeah. kind of get a visual of what's going on. But back then, it was like trying to find a Serie A game. You would go walk to the bar or or go with your dad to the bar just to watch the game. Yeah. Because nobody else is showing it. So at that time, nobody else was showing the the World Cup level. The, 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 talent levels so, that caliber yeah yeah so it, it was really hard to, to figure out where you are you know yeah to see where you stand good. right yeah yeah uh so yeah that, that was a great experience to kind of give you a, a good forefront on, on what, what what to achieve in the future you think maybe at that time because uh, soccer canada maybe hadn't didn't have the resources to put into the development yeah. that they have now that they've concentrated in the last maybe decade putting money into a development that that was uh, missing in uh, in the players back then a hundred percent yeah it was missing thank god uh, you know along the ways that uh, the kind of the, the, the kind of soccer has gotten better uh, the men's and the women's team to generate some more sponsorships and, and start start uh, the ball rolling and this happened i would say about yeah about 10 to 15 20 years ago yeah and now yeah. It's, it's getting a lot better you know, uh, well, hopefully, hopefully, with the the possibility of Canada hosting a few games in the 2026 World Cup, yeah. and maybe woke woke them up a bit, saying, "Listen, we got to put money in this. You yeah. know, we don't want to we don't want to embarrass ourselves at home, right?" So, yeah. and now we've see we're starting to see the Alfonso Davies and uh, yeah. these guys, the resources yeah. of academies being uh, being um, 
being made built, through, yeah, through Canada, being built through Canada, exactly. The, the Canadian Professional League is, is starting. Yes, that's the well. CPL is very important. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, you know, I that, think if so. If that can grow, if that can grow, it'd be because uh, let, let's be honest, it's very hard for a local or Canadian player to, you know, to get starting spots in the MLS teams in the MLS oh, club, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. with the salary caps and, and the expectations of, of returns. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are going with. Uh, Bigger and uh, bigger names to that that that, that produce results. So yep. uh, these these are great, fantastic opportunities for for these players to keep playing. Uh, because if not, we we will actually be in a downward spiral. Uh, yeah, because you can you can develop and you can have, you could have academies like most of the Canadian the three Canadian teams in the MLS do. Yeah. But when when they have no more space for them in the academy, and they turn eighteen. Yeah. The coach. In the first division MLS, he's there to win. Yeah. So if he thinks that the 18-year-old maybe might be a problem, a liability for him to win, he won't play him. And and kids at that age, kids, well, 18-year-olds, have to play. The, yeah. That's the critical time for them to develop yeah. is at that age. So they need Absolutely. to play. That's why the CPL comes in in very good hand to yeah. have them continue the development. Yeah, and it's a it's a fantastic option because it's it's ours, right? It's Canadian. Like yeah. when, when I when I was uh, back in our league, it was okay, maybe a little bit better than the CPL now, but the, the, but the USL, right? So we were yeah. kind of handcuffed to the US, uh, the, the US rules and the way yeah. they operate and the travel and and the marketing, you know. So the CPL is huge for us to to build a, a local put a, like a local stamp on this game. And have a culture. Start building a culture. Yeah. Like, who, who is Canada? What are we about? Are we a, uh, you know, a strong defensive team? Or exactly. We a, yeah. Do we want to play? Do we, you know, can we run? What's our identity? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's uh, that is. Okay, so now you've you've gone to Japan to live a bit of the U17 World Cup experience. So now you come back and you're starting to reach that age where okay, now it's professional teams looking for you yeah. and so at, at that point you have some decisions to make also in your development and in your career yeah. so from then on how from from that moment from the japan world cup yeah. to to going to uh, to being recruited by the impact yeah. how did that 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 time period go by for you yeah that was actually an exciting time uh, a very nerve-wracking time to see you know because you know you give a kid well there's a possibility now to do something and then you're telling your kid, what are you going to do? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, thank God. Uh, I have to give a lot of credit to, uh, to Valerio Gazzola, the, the first, uh, the second uh, uh, impact coach uh, back in the day. He, he was our, an assistant coach with the U17 national team. He was going to be the coach of the impact. Uh, he spoke to me, you know, uh, talking to me. He gave me the facts, like, because I was at that age to either, Go into uh, a scholarship in the U.S., uh, which some teams from some uh, colleges were interested, or start start pro at 18 years old. Oh, okay, that was my dilemma. And uh, speaking with Val, uh, we both kind of he made me understand that the best level of soccer is at that pro level, not at mm. the at college the, level. the college level. Okay, yes, you go to the college level. You do well, you get a degree, you have something concrete uh, when, when, if something goes wrong. He also put it in my mind that, listen, you can still play pro and do some schooling here in Montreal. 
Like, True there's that. nothing wrong with that, you know? So that, that's that's what kind of, looking at the bigger picture, I, I, I felt that to get better quicker, uh, to put my name, to maybe, maybe make a real career out of this, uh, to sign here in Montreal, to play with uh, the best players, and continue my education as much as I could have, uh, and also be at home with your family, you know? Yeah, which and that so weighs a lot big, into the decision too. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, look, uh, there, there was there was people uh, also later on after, uh, maybe I can continue on afterwards, but like people were saying, why don't you go to Italy and uh, as a foreigner, because I was a Canadian, uh, I didn't have my Italian yeah. passport. To get my Italian passport, I would have needed to do 10 months of Italian military. And wow. so these are all things that came into play. And it's like, do I really want to do that to risk you know, a, a Canadian defender to play in Italy. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a whole lifestyle change. Uh, and, and to me, the, the the choice to go play pro here in Montreal was, uh, it was exciting because it was kind of new. The impact was growing. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to make a name for ourselves here in North America. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, all these bits and pieces put together was uh, main reasons that I ended up signing here at 18. So you're, you, uh, when you joined the Impact, was it was their first or it was their second season, right? I believe the second, yes. Yeah, uh, second season. Yeah, yeah. Three they 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 started. They won. We won in '94. I was training with the team. I got like a a practice contract. Uh, I was still playing with Sporting Patriots at that oh. point. That was actually the year that we won the Canadian Nationals with the Sporting Patriots. We oh. uh, we won the Quebec Cup. Went to the the Nationals in Halifax. And we ended up winning the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, it well, was like just exciting times uh, of winning and doing well. And, uh, and the impact was growing and trying to put people in the stands at Cordoviard, you know, starting with 5,000 people, 4,000 people. Yeah. Uh, and then growing, as you know, uh, to, to, uh, to a great how, how was the ambiance? I went, I've been to a few games. I remember as a young, young kid, I went to my dad to, uh, to, to watch the FC Supra. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, later on, I went more as a teenager to watch the impact. Yeah. I enjoyed the the the, uh, the atmosphere yeah. at uh, San Codrabiar. It was cozy. Yeah. It was small, and when it was packed, it, it was a and good was atmosphere wild. for to yeah. play in. Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing, it was a great stadium. It still is. Uh, mm -hmm. The only thing, like you know, the market to kind of sell the game was that there is a big, huge 400-meter uh, track around the field. Yes. Yeah. And then you have another, say, 30, uh, yeah, maybe 20 to 30 yards until you hit the fence, mm -hmm. and then another 10 yards, and then your grandstand start. So the so fans are not as close, yeah. We're, we're a bit further away from the field and the action, but I know exactly what you mean. There was a good uh, feeling around there. Uh, the whole complex itself, it's a, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic place. And uh, yeah, the, the best memories were there. We have the we had the greatest weight gyms. We had the pool. <laughs> we had the saunas in there. So, yeah, there was yeah. everything there. Yeah. I remember I played there in the thirty. Uh, the they used to do a tournament back in the day. It's called the thirty six hours yeah, indoor. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I remember playing there. And they they have a good facility. It's good for the, yeah. it's good for the young people to have that uh, infrastructure. Oh, Extremely important. Yeah. Um, so. You just finished saying that you basically were just training with the team on that first uh, that the first, first year, championship. Yeah, because I was still playing with uh, with my my sporting team. I wasn't allowed. If like if I would have played one game, I would have been been allowed to play 
uh, for sporting my league. league. So mm -hmm. they kind of said, listen, just play your league. Uh, we want you to play. You're going to train with us every day. So I would train with them every day uh, at four o'clock. Uh, and I train mostly with them. Uh, not as much with my team, but I still went with my team. And then I played all, all my, my league games. So I, I wouldn't lose at least my conditioning and, uh, you know, game fitness and practice fitness is they're two completely different oh, yeah. things. Um, so, yeah, it, it you can you can keep your fitness practicing, but your game shape they call yeah. right is always hard to yeah. achieve. You need just always need at least three real games to, to start feeling good. You know, it's uh, to get that that chemistry too with your with your teammates yeah. too. It's hard yeah. to hard to yeah. build uh, just by practicing. Yes, exactly. Okay, so then those first years. Basically, 1995, uh, those first five years in the impact, where you're learning, you're learning the ropes, right? You're paying your dues. Yeah. You're um, you're obviously playing a lot because you've accumulated quite a few uh, minutes <laughs> in the USL. So you obviously already were playing a lot. So how was that as a young kid playing with basically 25, 26, 27 year olds? Yeah, yeah. Learning, sure. learning the ropes. How was yeah. that? Yeah, well, look, obviously, there, there, there are certain things you you become if you want to succeed. You know, especially in a team environment, you you learn to uh, to to pull your own weight. You know, you learn to be respectful. You learn to be, you know, to 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 kind of pay your dues. You know, the rookie is the rookie. He doesn't talk. He listens. He's there first. He works hard. He he's not there to hurt anyone. He's there to play hard. Um, so that's what I did. And between 18 or say, let's say 19, the next season uh, after that until 21, I didn't play, I wasn't a starter, uh, but I would get games here and there in. And it was important to, to, to be thrown into the situations because you need to know the pressure, you know, mm. and you need to fail sometimes as well. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, it, it was a fine line of knowing uh, how sharp you have to be at all times. It keeps keeps you extremely sharp. Um, and again, you build confidence when you do well. Uh, you get in a game for 15 minutes. Nothing bad happens. You played three good balls. You won uh, three headers. You did your job. You know, you maybe give one bad pass. Nothing happened. No problem. Then the next game, you get a start. And everything goes well. And at the end of the game, instead of, kicking the ball out of bounds and made a pass back to the keeper. You build that with, confidence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you just build and you learn and uh, you have to stay humble. You have to, you have to be uh, willing to, to work and, and sacrifice. And that's the only way you, you, you build your character. Because at that, at that time, you still had some um, at your position, uh, the impact still had some pretty iconic impact players playing in, in, uh, in that position. Yeah. Just not uh, not to mention uh, Nick DeSantis, yeah. which was uh, an icon of the impact. So yeah. it, it must be like, okay, I I want I want to I, I want that role, yeah. but I got to prove myself first, you know. Of so first, but also you learn how since you're playing with these guys every day, training and watching on the bench, watching them play at the at the the highest speed, uh, you learn. Okay, yeah. uh, like I, I was learning from John Lemiatis, one of the best. Oh yes. Uh, sweepers uh, in Canadian history, uh, how calm he was on the ball uh, made me calmer on the ball hmm. at a later time when I felt more comfortable with the ball. Okay, I always thought to him how he would 
just have enough time with one simple touch to put it mm. one way or another at the right time he, you open up so much time and space and then when you're good on the ball you make good passes and you release the attack mm. so there was guys like him but there was a uh, trichu uh, a u.s national team player uh patia through yep. guys like these were uh, you know they, they were machines they were good on the ball and i you want you just learn from each one. You know, Pat was Pat was the best guy to, to shut down an opponent. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. So you, you learn how good he does certain things. Rudy was smart to, to create space and get back and play good balls. Uh, and John with his skills as well. So you're learning from four or five different guys, and it's the right way to learn. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're picking from, up you're picking up everybody's qualities. And yeah. trying to make them your own, yeah. Yeah, because even if you have the best coach in the world, he can't he can't show you the game uh, as well as other players can show you the game. Because yeah. he could tell you where to go, what to do. Uh, even if he played at the highest level, you're not playing at that point. You're not showing it live, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, and so that decision with uh, with Valerio and I back at 18 years old, it ended up being a great one. Because from there, I, I, I stayed on to all the national teams, the other 19s, the Olympic teams, the Francophone Games teams, then the men national team. So, yeah, I, I grew into, a, I, I would think, a solid player that was reliable. And, uh, yeah, things worked out. So, as those uh, the, that time is passing, when did you start seeing that you're starting to make your place in, in the starting 11 and that you're, you, you're, yeah. you deserve to have your minutes? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, let's say uh, uh, around 90, uh, say 99, 2000, 98, 99, 2000, not 99. I would say they, I, I was getting older. I was like 22. Who was the coach uh, at the time? Uh, oh, you're bringing it back now. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to put you on the spot yeah there. no my god you got a brain freeze uh i can't uh i think valerio was still there yeah because i know he stayed a few years so it's yeah, no, very I, possible I, that he was still there yeah I think valerio was still there with francis Millier. uh yeah no it was still val mm-hmm. but uh i wasn't 18 anymore i was about 21 and mm-hmm. then at that point uh, it was like okay we're gonna give this guy a uh, a better contract because money wasn't that great. No. <laughs> we gave him a six month because that was the season, a six month uh, contract. And then if you were at that age and you were good enough, you would play indoor soccer, professional yeah. indoor soccer in the States or Montreal had a team for a certain bit. For a bit, yeah. Uh, so you would compensate both seasons and make a career out of it. So Some players actually had like regular jobs during the during the winter too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, s- Some guys were more fortunate than others. The starters were you know, getting paid a lot better if there was actually a win bonus at the time. Oh. Uh, so these guys, if when they were winning, they were making uh, a full extra paycheck oh. uh, on the win, on a tie as well. You'd make some money. So, so incentives, basically, based yeah, uh, based yeah. contracts. Incentives were great for, for the players. That's, those were the years that they did very well. Uh, it didn't, wasn't as good for the, for the, uh, the ownership. Mm. which kind of faded out because it was hard to manage and hard to hard to budget especially uh right yeah. at the beginning so yeah it uh yeah it, again it got better and uh but you have to go through these hard knocks right you have to go yeah of course these, these learning experiences and 
And like I said, we you, you grew this team out of nothing, really. So. Well, yeah, it was when the when they when they bought and they formed the impact. It was basically out of out of to create uh, an identity, and the fans really like get behind this team. I guess sure. winning a championship early on in in its franchise history helps out a lot too, obviously. Sure. sure. Um, but but moving on. So now you're you're getting into the your minutes. You're playing your time. You're getting on the starting eleven more often. Then comes October uh, 99, which is your first call-up to the national team, if I'm not mistaken. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. I believe so, yes. And it was uh, against Haiti. You remember uh, You remember uh, that game? Those, I, yes, I do remember that game. I did get a call-up uh, against Jamaica. They called oh. it, uh, they called, it, was, it was a friendly game, but Haiti was a, was a tournament game. So that, that we kind of, we, yeah, we always kind of stuck to that. Okay, okay, I understand, I understand. But how was how was that thing when you got the phone call? Um, we're calling you up to the senior team, represent your country. We need you. That must be like a, a proud moment, feeling. huh? <laughs> Fantastic feeling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it, listen, it was it was just as exciting to to make the U uh, the U under 16 uh, when I got the call that I'd get reinvited to camp. So. It's uh, every next step as a player is uh, it's so gratifying and so exciting that uh, yeah it was it was a bit unexpected because uh, you know there's players back then a lot of the, the players were taken from the European teams players that were playing mm -hmm. in Europe uh, the coaching mentality was I could rely on these guys they're playing at a higher level than people in North America. So if they're playing at a higher level there, then you know it's an easier decision to to you know to, to secure my job, right? Yeah. If I'm putting a, a team on the field. So, but yeah, once they started looking into North America a lot more, um, yeah, it was ecstatic. It was a, it was a, it was a great honor for me for my whole family actually. Oh yeah, it's just yeah. just thinking about the possibility of representing my country in. No matter what sport is yeah. already huge. I could I could, I could only yeah. imagine the feeling of getting that call, yeah. um, and playing with certain players that go go on like Paul um, Stalteri, Paul, yeah. uh, Jason DeVos. Yeah. Um, I always forget Rosario. Right, yeah, Dwayne D. Rosario, um, Steve Nash's brother. I always forget his first name. Yeah, Marty Nash. Uh, yes, yeah, Marty yeah. Nash, Hutchinson. Yeah. So <laughs> these are like for for your period of time. These are like names that are known uh, for people that yeah. follow soccer in Canada. So, you know, you get there, you play with them. It's a fun experience. It's like, it's galvanizing. You're playing yeah. for your country. You're having fun. And at the same time, you got called up, Sarah. So it gives you, it gives you motivation to keep working hard and, and things exactly. snowball and, and continuing because you're still yeah. a young player at that time. Yeah. So it gives you motivation to keep on working hard and trying to go forward in your career. Absolutely. And again, especially important, especially because at that point, also, the money wasn't the factor, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. meaning it was a factor, meaning that you're not making much money. Yeah, so exactly. At yeah. the end of the day, you're going home thinking to yourself, is this what I should be doing? Yeah. Right? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's why, you know, I relate back to the academy and uh, the CPL and uh, for younger players in the academy to, to keep playing at a high level because. Once you hit a wall and you don't see that you'll be able to climb it, you know, like where, what are my options? It gets very demoralizing and uh, people people just get turned off. 
Yeah, you start doubting yourself, asking yeah. questions, and for a developing player, that's the worst you can do. Yeah, you start questioning yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. Uh, it is important. So, so okay. So now you come back from this first international senior team stint, and now you continue on your 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 adventure with the impact, and you're playing. You're playing more minutes. You're playing almost every game at this point. You're becoming basically the rock in the back of this team. And then I want I want to know the experience and that team of tw of 2004. Because that was probably yeah. maybe one of the strongest teams you were on. Uh, yeah. Your stint. One of the stronger teams. Yeah, obviously one of the, the strongest teams. Um, but probably the most fun. And, oh yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah. The absolutely most fun was in 2004, and if you talk to any other any old player, uh, they'll tell you the same thing. Because the uh, guys, we had so many local guys: uh, Moro, uh, Sandro, uh, Gabe, uh, Pat Leduc, Adam mm -hmm. Braz, the, the Jason Tatulio around. Uh, we had so many guys that, uh, and we 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 were a group that never won. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time we won. And it was, uh, yeah, it was fantastic that the, the Cordoba yard was a sellout. People were sitting on the grass. Yeah. Uh, I it remember was just, that. Uh, uh, yeah, an unbelievable experience. Uh, probably the, the best time of my life, you know, it was uh, at a great age. And, um, cause if yeah, I'm not mistaken, you guys went, um, you guys only suffered, I thought I had it in my notes, but I can't find it here. But I know you guys didn't suffer many goals at home that whole season. Yeah, we were fantastic, uh, especially in the back uh, mm -hmm. with uh, Gabriel Gervais, myself, uh, Mauricio Vicello, Adam Braz. We were a very mm. solid forward back uh, with Greg Sutton behind us. Yes. Who, uh, it was fantastic. We had Sandro in front of us. We had a... You know, we had an excellent, excellent team. Guys like Eddie up front, uh, uh, Joel Bailey, who uh, who I met in Cleveland, uh, a Trinidadian guy that just always smiling. It was just a good, good group. Uh, Antonio Ribeiro, like a good group of guys, uh, all going for the same cause. But but it, it was something special because of the connection of the group, I believe. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe the... Um... The atmosphere in the locker room was so great because maybe you had so so many homegrown players yeah. that you felt you felt a certain um, we say in French appartenance to the club because you're from there and yeah. it got the fans yeah. uh, behind your identity too. So yeah. it must have been fun playing game after game, winning game after game, yeah. uh, performing game after game, having that atmosphere it must have been such a fun season to play. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely was. Those were the best times of my life. I uh, absolutely believe it. Sorry. <clears throat> so that championship, and uh, meanwhile, we can talk about a bit. You guys back then maybe it wasn't as strong as it is now or as it's been in the last 10 years, but you guys are also winning year after year. You guys are winning the Canadian championship, which back yeah. then was the Voyager's the Cup. Voyager's Cup, yeah. And you guys are also winning there. Maybe, maybe with not as much um incentive. Yeah. yeah, for winning, for winning it, because now you win it, you get a chance to go to the Champions League and all that. Back then, it was more just for um, just for the right, just for yes, exactly rights. for the right for the bragging rights, right? Yeah. What we say, yeah. uh, but it's still uh, good to mention. Yeah. So then you're moving on, and now you're you're in your prime of your career. Now after that championship, you're in the prime of your career. Yeah, you're you're playing, and uh, you guys 
don't or not you're winning league uh, because here what we have different from in Europe I would like to yeah. to uh, uh, to be precise is that here we have uh, league titles and then we have the championship which is won after the playoffs not like in Europe where you win the championship is won by the league title and then you have a cup exactly. win so you guys are winning the league titles but you're not winning the the playoffs uh, the championships like in 2004 yeah. then we move on and um, 2009 yeah. I think this is also maybe not as fun as as 2004. But second place, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just also because it was the first time in the stadium, our new stadium. True. Yes, that's uh, true. Uh, and again, we we had a fantastic group of guys as well. Uh, uh, even around the team, there was still Nick was was around the team. Uh, uh, Moro was still there, and it was one of his last years. Uh, but we still had Rocco, we still had uh, Adam around, we had uh, Le Duc, we had guys that really cared about this club, Ribeiro, Ali Gerba, who yeah. was on fire, uh, right after that, actually. Actually, no, he wasn't 2009, but it's still that group of guys that that, that cared about this, this club uh, and hoping really, because we, we saw with the expansion of the new stadium, the fans were coming out. And we wanted to, you know, really perform, try to win one championship. Uh, and for it to fall to us at home the way it did, it was just perfect, right? Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it's like it was written for a movie, like, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, we weren't, I mean, we didn't finish very high in the standings. We, we, we beat the, the, top, the higher CD teams. Uh, then we ended up playing Vancouver, who was the only team lower than us. And so they got the first game, then we got the, the final because it was a two leg at that point. Yeah, by that game. point, the final was still two legs. Yeah, yeah. so we, we went to, uh, to Vancouver, we were winning 3 1, I believe, or 2 1, and then, uh, or 3 2, excuse me, I believe. And then when we came here, uh, with the red card, we ended up, we ended up uh, running away with the game early, actually. Because what's important also to point out is. Uh, in 2009, MLS was already around for a few years, and Toronto had already been in the MLS for two years. Yeah. And you guys beat them in the Canadian Championship to yeah. after end up going to the Champions the League. Conquer which, Cup. Yes, that the was Conquer Cup Champions League. Yeah. Yeah, that was 2007, eight, 2008. Uh, that was another uh, one of the one of the best experiences as well in our in our franchise history because we were at that point one of the underdogs. Uh, yeah, we did win the Voy all the seven years Voyagers Cup up until there, and then we started this new format with uh, with uh, getting into Concacaf Champions League, and so it was exciting for us because it says, okay, wow, finally now we have a chance that if we win, we could get more exposure. We exactly, could, you know, we could prove to, to to more and more eyeballs that uh, you know that we're for real, and uh, how was that yeah. the, the experience of going to play in? Um in in stadiums that are like could we could say intimidating like going to play yeah. santos laguna like you guys yeah. uh ended up uh losing in the quarterfinals in santos yeah. laguna and playing in these in these countries that we can call um hostile sometimes the fans know when you go they play these uh, places yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah listen uh i'll tell you a quick story uh, because we played against uh, Olympia as well, which is in Honduras. Mm -hmm. uh, we played in Mexico, which was a tough place to play at Santos. But before, at under 19 uh, level, under uh, 19 uh, Canadian national team level, we played in Honduras. 
mm. against Honduras. And just to give you the idea, the uh, visual of uh, 40 to 50,000 uh, stadium filled. Mm. People are throwing batteries at you. Oh. People are throwing uh, bags of uh, Ziploc bags of urine. Oh my <laughs> God! Uh, at one point, because Honduras has a big, a big problem with uh, with their hydro, with electricity, so they they have uh, blackouts at certain points. So I, in one point of the game at night, uh, eight o'clock kickoff, it was pitch dark. The lights went out in a forty thousand uh, oh. stadium filled. <laughs> And everybody, everybody now, because it's a concrete seating, everybody's building fires in the stands. So you see all the stands on fire. You're waiting. Oh my God. Saying, what are we? So yeah. What do we get ourselves into? Like, I, I, I was lucky because I experienced it at that age. So when I got to uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, when we played against Olympia, we played against Santos, uh, and even Atlante, it wasn't as intimidating because I knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. But yeah. for I would say 85% of the other players on the team, they didn't have a, they, they never had the chance to experience that. Yeah. Right? So they were like, whoa, what is this? You know? <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that Santos game, if you come back down to it, uh, it's something obviously we want to forget, but we also need to remember. Because oh, of course. It was a fantastic uh, run of what we did. And, and, I, mean, I think for a, for a second for a, for a second division team, which we can say the impact was at that time. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Going five four on aggregate against Santos Laguna. Yeah. Uh, is it, is an accomplishment is in itself. And, and I'll tell you this: uh, I believe at the bottom of my heart, if we were in our full season, if we were in a normal season, we wouldn't have dropped. I think the last 15, 20 minutes of that game. It's Our true. fitness be, be, level, because it was a February. We were exactly. That's what I was about October. to say. Yeah. We did a training. It was off season for you guys. Yeah, we did a training camp in Italy. We had games. It's really not the same. Uh, yeah. These guys were in their mid-season form. They came out the second half, and they were on a different level. They were. They're already think, at a different level. They're already you, at a different level. And do you think with, that's? A, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, so already on a different level because they're already there. But it's like that's why we play the games. The games are are meant to be played on the field, and anybody. Yeah. Like they say in uh, football monikers, on any given Sunday, anybody can can win, Absolutely. right? The game is played on on the field. Yeah. But do um, do you think that it's a disadvantage for North American teams the way the Cha Concacaf Champions League is is um, placed at that time at that time period, the elimination round? Yeah, I, possibly yes. I believe like for us it was at that point. I don't know if anything changed now because it's still coming off the off season. But there's also more money involved now in the clubs that if they yes, do get to that true. point, they will maybe now start going to, to Mexico or start playing MLS teams in Arizona or yeah. in Florida or in LA. So it's uh you know it's 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 a bit disadvantage to us for sure, uh at that point for us. Now maybe not as much, but but yeah, I could see because we were we were gassed, like we we, we didn't have the legs. We didn't have the stamina to keep up. We didn't have that second wind coming up. Yeah, there. that's it. You know, and we found there was holes everywhere on the field. You know, hmm. If it was just one guy having a tough time, that's one thing. You could isolate the group, could, could yeah. isolate and protect. But when there's pockets and pockets, and it, it just became and too easy for them. 
and you must feel it as the game is going on that you're starting to have less of that energy yeah. moving on. You're trying to hold on, then you start playing on your heels, yeah. and then you start start trying to defend a bit more, and then that's yeah, when things then, start breaking down. A lot of times, it was also mistakes from us. You know, uh, the last last goal they scored, uh, we had the ball at a point on the left side. Instead of coming across with a simple pass, they tried to make. Or maybe it was a mispass, or he tried to make a difficult pass. Mm. If they cut it off, there yeah. three guys out of, out of the play on a counterattack. So these are things that we would possibly not do when you're in form. You know, you're smarter, you're confident on the ball, you're healthy. Yeah. Uh, if somebody comes next to you, you don't feel wobbly legs. Like uh, so, I had that had everything to do with that game, uh, and, and you know, just the sit. That fitness led to bad decisions in that game that led mm. to, to an ultimate disaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, okay, so that was that was that was a fun. Even as a fan, that was like a yeah. great, great, a great experience for me. Following that team as a fan yeah. was really galvanizing, and I think that's where I built my my strong identity behind the impact was there. You know, but this this yeah. team that doesn't. That nobody nobody saw going as far as they did, going as far as they did, it uh, really got me as a fan behind them. Yeah, and I believe a lot of people would say that it was uh, it, it put us on the map. It put Montreal on the mm -hmm. map for soccer. It's like uh, no, we're good too. You know, we could play with the best of them. Uh, yeah, we're behind a little bit, but we're we're not too far off. Yeah, that's it. It, it gives hope also for future for future yeah. like they did, like the impact did. Um, Later on, when they were already in the MLS, they ended up making the final of the Champions Absolutely. League. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that helped them reach the final, that experience that you guys Absolutely. gave them. So that, 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 that's interesting, interesting for them. And oh my God, if one day uh, this team or any other team from the MLS uh, would be able to one day try to reach the World, uh, the World Cup of Clubs and play uh, at the yeah. UEFA Champions League winners... That would yeah. be even more exposure and even even exactly. greater for for our for our game here. And look, that's what, that was the whole that's the whole point of all this, you know, is to to keep growing. Mm -hmm. We all know the, the reality of it. Uh, the culture here is not as easy as the culture in Europe or South America per se. Uh, that soccer is is number one. Soccer is king. Yeah. Whereas here in, in North America. There, there's three, four other sports that have a bigger, bigger, uh, you know, concentrate. Uh, yeah, what they call the North American, the four North American sports that they yeah. call. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, we're, and we're getting there because yeah. we have the athletes. You know what? Like, you can't say Canada and U.S. don't have probably great athletes. You know, to our, our structure, our builds. We have we come from a, from. A, you know, a good nations that uh, we have medicine and people are healthy and strong and vitamins and could afford good food. So, and we have the pool of players too, because yeah. I read this stat not too long ago, more, more kids now play soccer than they play hockey. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's much, much easier, much less expensive, yeah. more affordable for parents to send their kids yeah. to play. So the pool of players there, now we just need to develop them the yeah. right way. That's what yeah, we, exactly. and that, that's always an issue. Uh, great leaps have been taken to, mm -hmm. to, to reach where we are now, but there's also a lot more to do. Uh, it's always starting at the grassroots level. You yeah. Know? That's where you build Growing it. up and still to this day, there's coaches going into the, the club teams and they're volunteers, right? Obviously mm -hmm. the volunteers, but 
some of them don't have to play soccer or they just yeah. need a parent to watch the kids. Yes. So already there, you know, if you could start putting at least qualified people who played the game, who, who know how to teach basic, uh, basic things to, 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 to the kids so they could get started earlier, so they could start enjoying the game earlier. Yeah. Because when I started, it was, it was just my coach was my dad. I was like mm -hmm. actually Gerardo to start. Uh, so we just learned from him. And thank God yeah. these guys played soccer. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> that a little basis. Because yeah. that, that's the only place that we would play soccer. Like uh, our friends around the house, we maybe play uh, street hockey, uh, yeah. football. It was rare that we played soccer together. Yeah. So the only soccer you got was with the team. Yeah. And imagine if the guy coaching the team is not as knowledgeable as uh, as anybody else. You know? so, well, we're starting to see that more and more coaches now from here uh, in our development system are actually taking the courses. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the internet yeah. has helped a lot with that, yeah. being able to take the UEFA courses for coaching. Yeah. And now we're starting to see a real um, basis in development, in coaching, yeah. where we're actually coaching the right way, the way... Absolutely. the way it's supposed to be coached the game yes i, I agree uh, and, and uh, i was a part of actually a few months once i retired i got involved with uh Monterey soccer which mm -hmm. is Laval. uh i also helped out in rdp and you see how and uh with uh, the region in laval working with valerio as well while, while i was in laval you see how much emphasis was going on back then on putting the right uh right education in place for uh specific age groups uh at certain levels it, it became mandatory so I see. It, it was important and you know it, it, it some people also get refiltered back into the system that way so yeah. you do a generation with your kid and then okay it goes off to the next team you can stay still stay involved in the club and start out an even younger age group uh with so much uh so much uh experience under your belt so it's always going to hopefully get back in the cycle and always get better as well. Yeah. And and uh, not to mention, like I had uh, Sandro on, on on another podcast and um, the job that he did for uh, in those yeah. 10 years that he was at L'Etoile de l'Est in Laval yeah. was, was great. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. very helpful. And yeah. thank God that somebody like, um, like Gary Gall and forming the Manic yeah. saw that experience and saw that potential in, in Sandro to call him in to be um, to be yeah. a, direct, a technical director of the U15 U19 program at the Manic, which is very important yeah. for our development. No, absolutely, we need we need to give our kids options. Where there's too many kids now playing to, to say that uh, there's not enough options. You know, yeah. we have the guys. There's there's not just Sandro. There's tons of guys. Out oh, there. there's tons of guys. There's I'm forgetting a lot of them for sure. Know, there's uh, there's so many guys still working in the. Uh, which we need it, you know. You need, you yeah. need, you need quality. We need passionate, players. passionate guys uh, yeah. that, that, coaching, that, teaching these kids the yeah, the, the passion of the soccer. The right way that been through it, uh, you know that 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 build people's character as well. Because nothing in life is given to you. It, no. it was extremely hard to get to this point. For players to succeed at that point was was it's still extremely hard. So it's just passing it on to the young kids and, and saying, look. You, if this is the option you want, because nobody's forcing kids to, to become professional players, yeah. we want you to enjoy the sports. But if there yeah. is that aspiration to, to to get to the next level, then there's finally, I, I believe, 
multiple tools out there, not just Sandro's caps, not just other people's caps. It, at least like everybody's kind of coming from the same yeah. starting point and we're all branching out and covering the province. And covering exactly. Our, 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 our and whatever, whatever fits, whatever fits the, the, the kid or the player better, Sometimes uh, a certain program will fit him better or for his uh, his development growth, how he's going, maybe will fit better than another one. Yeah. And it's just seeing what, what what's, be what's best for you at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, at certain points, you, you know, the, you, you have to talk to your, your kids and say, what uh, what do you really want out of this game? Is, are we pushing you too much? Because a lot of kids get turned off as well, right? Yeah. Push, they get pushed, they want to hang out with their friends at a certain age, and maybe this is not really what they want to do, even though they have the talent. And then they create I, a certain seen, resentment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So resentment, and I've seen that as well while I was coaching a little bit. That certain guys had talent, it was unbelievable compared to my days of guys, mm -hmm. but they were they were it wasn't their main focus, yeah, you know. So that's also another. Or do you waste time with people like that, or do you try to groom other people that are yeah. more passionate? There's, there's always a balance. And... That's the kind of dilemma you have to fight between. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe you can tell the kids nowadays that 15, 16 year old kids that that are interested in in taking that extra that extra step uh, to try to make it. Could you tell us a bit about the hard work it takes, like outside of practices with the teams, but like the work you got to put in on the side, the hustle you got to do. Yeah, it's a, it, you need to. <laughs> like you, you don't play, I tell every kid this, you don't play enough soccer. Mm -hmm. like, you, you never will. Uh, compared to other other kids in other countries. That, how did the, the DDA Drogba's, how did the uh, Henri's, how did the Zidane's of the world, Ronaldo's come, come about, the Messi's? They played soccer. They had a ball all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so if you think a young kid today who's playing uh, U10 soccer uh, during the winter time, even or, or let's say in the summertime, which you're, you're going to play more soccer in the summertime. So in the summertime, if you're at a higher level, you're at three times a week on a field. So that means two an hour and a half. So that's three to four and a half hours a week on a mm -hmm. soccer field. That's not that's enough. Pretty much all you get. Mm -hmm. So how is that enough? Mm -hmm. You know, I would be in my garage, just touching the ball, playing with my left foot, playing with my right foot, hitting against the garage. Uh, uh, outside, uh, when it was nicer, I was juggling, hitting against the wall, which was, which I find is a fantastic technique to, for for individual development. Oh yes, is because all a kid needs is a, a, a ball and a wall. Yeah. Okay, so you, you just play the ball to the wall. And you're controlling. You're, your reaction time everything yeah. you know you could you could work on anything and back then that's what i was doing i when i had time uh, i'd fool around in the, the backyard my, my garage the front of the house doing throw-ins to make to see if i could hit a certain wall wow. of my house from far you know just envisioning things and, and repeating and repeating and repeating and that's the only way to get better in anything you visualizing is important no like you just mentioned visualizing things like yes putting them in your head that this is this is yeah. what see, this is what's going to go on see where you want to be you yeah know I mean? like, see, like i want to be doing this is what i said tonight. i want to mm -hmm. be doing this and then so if i would watch a soccer game uh, at the bar like back then back in the day we're going with my dad i'd see i, I used to love franco Baresi because mm. 
I would see him play differently than the others, and I would say, okay, wow, look, he just takes that one touch and he finds space, and he's so calm with the ball. And, uh, so you just learn and, and you kind of take what, what's, what's good for you, you know? Mm-hmm. You take bits and pieces from everything, and if you want to grow, you will grow. What's your... Um, you mentioned makes me think about something. What, what's your... When you were growing up, late teenager, developing and everything... What was a player that you looked up to as in your position that you modeled, that you wanted to model, that you really like yeah. I, idolized? I, yeah, I was, I was uh, like I said, Franco Berezzi. He mm-hmm. was uh, the all-time uh, sweeper for me. Uh, he played with AC Milan. He was my the guy I would I would look to the most. Paolo Maldini as well, yeah. because I I kind of what well, well, it's. I liked other players as well, attacking players. I loved Roberto Donadoni. Like mm-hmm. I never saw that guy lose a ball when I was going <laughs> to go watch him. Uh, so I was I had like took bits and pieces from everyone, right? Because uh, as a kid, I loved the forward. But once I hit one, about 15 years old, 16, I kind of knew I was going to be a defender. So I started mm-hmm. studying a little more the defending aspects, uh, def- the defenders of the world. Uh, the Yan Stams of the world, uh, yeah. you know, just finding finding different uh, different qualities out of everyone and trying to trying to see where I could uh, put them into my game. No, oh, that's an interesting perspective. Um, okay, so let's get back into the 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 final phase, basically, of your playing career. So after coming back from that Champions League stint with the Impact, you you get called. Well, I don't know if it's right away after, but. It must be, I think it's 2009, maybe 2010, yeah. when you you get asked to uh, become captain of the Montreal Impact. Yeah. How how was that also? Like from from being called to represent your country and now being to be the leader of your team, that must be also a proud proud moment also. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, extremely proud moment. Um, I, it was also, you know, a buildup over the years of kind of being the next in line. Like I was mm-hmm. talking about earlier about learning to pay your dues. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was other guys ahead of me. Moro was there ahead of me. I always knew that he'd be my captain as long as he's playing, you know. And I never wanted to. to I never even tried to to, to force that issue. Like uh, that. That's the respect we got. We all had for each other. Mm-hmm. Like, and the people that had respect for me because they kind of knew that. You no, know, Neville's next. In line. Next in line. Yeah. Okay? Because he he's the one who did so much. He, he did this, and then if, if if I got hurt, God forbid, there was somebody else next in line who deserved mm-hmm. it. Okay, so there was guys like Adam Brad. Like yeah. So it's it was just a, a natural uh, evolution uh, to that point. Extremely gratifying. Uh, it kind of made me look at things a little deeper. You okay. Know, uh, as a captain, you you feel more responsibility. Yeah. But even as if I was an assistant captain the years before, you don't have that responsibility as a hey guys, okay, we're having a meeting today. It's enough. Uh, you know, it, like you're having a bad. You had a horrible first half. Yeah. At the, at halftime, it's yeah. up to you to yeah to get the guys going again, right? Start talking to guys. Or I, I remember at a point at, at the beginning we weren't doing very well, and actually I got call, called out by Joey and. Uh, uh, and uh, some, some names got called out that maybe it was, uh, wasn't a great decision. Mm. Uh, but in fact, it was actually a, a kind of a new, extremely new team put together. We weren't winning at the beginning. And then since that uh, call out, we actually turned it around and 
we were a point away of making the playoffs where we should have never even been in the, in the conversation. In yeah. So, and that, again, that's a learning experience, right? You're a new captain. You're, I, I had meetings. I don't know really what else to do, but to keep harping on the same, uh, the same message and sticking together and staying positive and, uh, and, that's the only way things will turn around because if things would, would the, the, the finger pointing would have been internal within our dressing room, it, it would have been a disaster. But do, uh, do, do teammates, do teammates look at you differently when you become a captain? The, the, yeah, does that relationship change yeah, a bit? Yeah, I believe so. I believe a little bit. I believe they, they got to be more careful. They, they were a bit more worried, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but, you never know. He's the guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. he's thinking that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. could just assume. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like, I could go to the coach and say, say something about a certain player, and I'm sure he'll take it very seriously. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, you gain that respect again, is what I said. So, yeah, you, you, you do get a, a different label to you, but uh, if you're the same guy, like Moro was the same guy, Nick was the same guy, John was the same guy. Mm. Uh, captain or no captain, yeah. you know you, you know your responsibility, you know your role in the team, you know how important the team is to you and everybody else. So you just keep those those those, those uh, ideas and uh, mindset uh, with you, and and other things just kind of fall into place. Fall into place, yeah. But in John's case, not only was he was he your captain. But if I'm not mistaken, he ended up coaching uh, yeah. your team too, right? Yeah. Yeah, he coached us the years uh, that we won the Champions League. Oh. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he. That was again another fun year because we had a we had a good coach. He uh, he understood the game very well. Uh, he understand he understood the players he had because he, he knew most of us as well for for many years. Um, it was unfortunate the year after that once we didn't start well. Uh, you know, the, the professional sports, uh, you know, curse. You have, is, uh, you you get, have a responsibility yeah, to win. And yeah. yeah. And your, your stint isn't as long as maybe it should have been. Yeah. But, uh, Especially here in Montreal in our market. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. People <laughs> want to win. And, uh, which is, which is okay, but you need to build the culture as well. You know, you, yeah. But the culture we built in Montreal over the, the, the 16 years that I played there was the, you know, all from Montreal guys, Nick DeSantis, Moro Biello, Johnny Miatis, Willie Dolliscat, Patriot, uh, Grant Needham, uh, Adam Braz, uh, Gabe Gerbet, uh, Pat Leduc, Pat Bernice Bernier. Like, we all kind of built it all up. Yeah. Right? So now uh, you're coming with a new, a new coach. He has to build that up, right? Yeah. So he, like especially now in the MLS, a new coach comes in, he has to build that up. So if a coach is in and out every year, year and a half, two years, how can you build, uh, you know, an identity of who you really are? So that's why I'm kind of very glad right now that Wilford's in, in, in place with uh, Jason as well uh, is still there. That you still have that culture, that Montreal culture, to to kind of grow with the same club. You yeah, know, uh, yeah. Would have been great if Moro would have still been there. Uh, I think he did great. Maybe he. Will I come think he did too. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully you need that stability. Guys, guys gain experience somewhere else, and hopefully get filtered back here. Guys like yeah. Mark Dos Santos. I was gonna say Mark Dos Santos. Know, John, yeah. Uh, 
Pat, Pat Bernier, who knows, he's doing TV now, but maybe he'll get back involved uh, coaching. So, you know, no, there's some there's some possibilities there. Yeah. Uh, but it must have been it must have been kind of awkward maybe the last two seasons in USL knowing that the team is getting ready to move on to MLS so yeah. you're kind of in a in a in between two kind of kind yeah. of phase Definitely. you don't know where where well you know where the team is going but you don't yeah. you don't know how to approach it you know yeah yeah absolutely and uh, that that was the past The last two years, 2010 and 11, were the most awkward, mm. I'll put it that way. Meaning a lot of new players coming in, only envisioning uh, being around for um, for the, uh, the MLS. Mm. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we felt that. Uh, in 2010, I think that's what made us uh, have a very poor start to the 2010 season. Uh, then kind of getting back we did end up doing well that season but you did feel it absolutely i'm not going to name names but no guys were starting to get out of the game the guys like adam braz uh you know uh sandra wasn't there anymore some guys were uh moro was stepping down uh, other people were thinking of their their, their future mm -hmm. uh you could see it and these new guys were just kind of, yeah looking to, to, to stay around for mls and, uh, yeah yeah it was disappointing i would say because as a player you're you want that family feeling as a team you know yeah. you go to war with these guys and uh and those are the most fun you know like those are the days that that really mean something to you even even after your career like i could close my eyes at night before bed and think of certain moments with certain teams in a heartbeat i think about them over and over again because they comfort <laughs> me you know they're, they're great times so. uh and then so MLS comes, you decide to retire, and um, they call you up, I think it was a year later, right? And uh, you and Gab Gervais yeah. to be the first, uh, the inaugural pair inductees to their wall of fame, which is what, um, what the impact is having for the type of what the Canadians do of uh, retiring the, the jersey, right? It's that yeah. same, same feel. Yeah. How was that to come back and go to Saputo Stadium and be honored like that? That 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 must have been fun too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was actually important for me just just for the fact because I, I I didn't have kids when I was playing. I got married at 35 uh, at the end of my career. My kids never saw me play. They actually saw me play a couple of years ago now when we had that friendly game, the last yes. game against Brazil. Uh, but Until then, they never saw the, the soccer environment I was always in. Like, mm -hmm. It was a completely new world to them. Yeah, yeah. So to get, to get uh, called out to, to, in the stadium. Uh, for them After to being on. away from the team for a while, that's yeah, on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to walk onto the field uh, with my kids, it was an extremely special feeling to see that, to see that they started uh, recognizing having a, a club, a fan club, uh, not just a fan club, uh, You know the uh, temple of that NLA, like people who yeah. don't work. Not not just players. It shouldn't just be players. It should be, you know, people who work in the office. Uh, yeah. The, the media people that were back, uh, like yes. Randy Team and uh, uh, Randy Phillips, uh, guys like that. that Rick uh, Moffat, yeah. Yeah, guys like the, even the French guys, Martin Smith. And there's so many of them that came came with us to to cities when it was nothing. 
right? Yeah. And following us and building up the, the sport. True. So it, it was nice to be, it wasn't important to be the first one. It's just important to be recognized and maybe have a tradition that people could say, okay, this is where, this is how it got started. This is how it, uh, and this is how it continues. Um, because like to, maybe, be, to, to be honest with you, Yolan, I just want to say this because I, I think it's important because now the way the structure and the, of the MLS is and the, um, the way, the way, players are being developed in the academy or getting players and everything it's going to be very hard and i might be wrong but it, it'll it'll be very hard to get a player to play 8700 minutes for for one team yeah yeah it should be hard <laughs> so yeah. it's not it's not because i'm talking to you that i'm saying this it's just what i no. see i don't i see it very hard somebody accomplishing that again yes i know but but yes i agree because especially now that even if you are that good maybe you're going to end up going somewhere else exactly yeah so, uh, but they're also guys that maybe deserve to be there before me. You know what I mean? Like just because they, they started making criteria because guys are still working in the team. Yeah, say, it's a bit weird that, that criteria, yeah, to be honest with you. to be politically correct, I guess, yeah. or whatnot. But yeah. I'm just happy there's something to, to build on. Yeah. Last, uh, two years ago, I think they put Greg Sutton. Yes, he's uh, the third member, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who the next guys are because it, it wasn't just three, four, or five guys. Oh, no. There was a group of 50, you know, over the years in, in the office, in the media. You could even you could even look to you guys, the fans, the fan clubs, yeah. and how you've grown and, and pushed the envelope. And so, oh, yes, because whether, whether they like it or not, or they want them to be a part of the identity of the team, yeah. um, the fans, especially the, the, the first group of ultras that are yeah. still around, yeah. These guys have been around forever, and they deserve some recognition at some point, also. Absolutely, absolutely, and this is this is what we're doing it for 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 the fans. Yeah, this is what we did it for, like uh, uh, you know, it, it has to be looked at that way. It, it, it's a cultural thing. It's not one owner just trying to make money off of soccer. You yeah, know? Okay? we we could never look at it like that because hmm. it's gonna fail. So yeah, it, it's it's at least nice to start opening the doors and. Uh, and getting a, a sense of of heritage, right? You go to a, the Canadians probably have it. They have golf tournaments. Oh yeah, every year of old alumni coming in. And, they used to have. Remember back in our day when we were younger, they used to have the the softball tournaments in the summer yeah. for the the Canadians players. Yeah, it's yeah. important to be to be part of the community to create yeah, to that that that, that, history, that link. Yeah. yeah, be a part of the history because a guy like you that came to watch our games uh, as a kid, you're watching it now and you're watching the next twenty years. You know, you could come to these events and and, and just feel at home, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's what we all are passionate about. Everybody's we did our part too. Yeah. Things. This is this is our sport, right? Yeah. Very, very, very good. I'm loving our conversation. So we've already been on for an hour. So I, I'm just gonna end it. But before yeah. we end it, I would like to do um a type of rapid fire uh, about questions of soccer, but in general, right? Okay. So. First of all, we can't go, we can't leave without talking about your your opinions on the Super League, the uh, European Super League. Don't like it. I don't like no. it. Uh, just because you're you're, you're you're just taking out the money. Like mm -hmm. we already we already have the Champions League. Uh, that's that that shows that 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 caliber, the highest caliber. Um, 
you need a bit of unexpectedness. I think it would it would start hindering on the lower the lower the teams in the division that don't oh, yeah. get as much exposure. You know, because once you're playing the higher team, that's when you get exposure. I don't like it. No. And it gives an incentive to the smaller clubs because when you're fighting that. for that for that spot in the Champions League, it's yeah. huge for a small club to get yeah. to make the Champions League. Not only for exposure and for prestige, but yeah. for money financially too. Yeah, uh, and if you if you close that that market off, yeah. obviously champion they say oh but Champions League will continue. Yes, but where's all the TV money going to go to? No, exactly. All the TV money is going to go to those twelve big clubs. Exactly. And what what does a Tottenham? Yeah. that hasn't made Champions League or not even close this year to making Champions League deserve to be in that tournament while yeah. a Leicester City or something like that no, is not there. They're buying into it. I, I, I really don't like it. I, uh, and again, I, there was a lot of backlash uh, all across the world. All the, yeah, there was. The ex-professional players are like, no, this can't do this. You're like, you're like uh, just like catering to the rich, right? Just, yeah, you know, it's, it's a money grab. No, we no, agree, no, it's no, a money no. grab. Yeah, yeah no. You want so okay, we're on the same page for that. No to the super league. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would like to get into relegation promotion in North America. Are you for or against it? Uh I have to be against it because because of the capacity. I mean the because I don't think like if uh, Quebec had a team, Quebec City had a team and they win the championship. They could su support a team in MLS. Yeah, that's it. That's the question. Uh, if you're talking about the CPL with the USL, those kind of levels. Okay, at that second yeah. tier. Yeah, but as a MLS, I, I don't think so because I think the financial uh, uh, differences are way too great. From USL to jump to MLS, you're talking about over $100 million difference. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, like so, I, I, I can't see a team like Atlanta United paying almost uh, 500 million to come into the league and yeah. then be like get relegated yeah. to uh, USL. No, exactly. <laughs> like a, a team like Rochester that, that or Richmond, Virginia that win the league, how could they support uh, uh, the, the it's a small town? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, basically, that's what it is. Yeah, small town, and, and it's not as if we're in Europe where soccer is king, right? Mm. That, okay, you have a small town, but everybody in that small town is going to push the... the everybody goes the to the games, soccer. everybody's watching, yeah. yeah. Yeah, whereas in Rochester or in Richmond, they have a great team, they want the league, but the population is playing football, baseball, basketball, mm. uh, they're in different things, track and field, and so it's it's just all over the place. You can't support that. Yeah, financially you can't support you you can't support it, and also uh, prestige wise, like yeah. you say, uh, Richmond or Rochester, um, their maybe their market is based on a on to have eight thousand, ten thousand people in their in their stadium. That's if you exactly. force them to go to MLS and they can't get they can't get fifteen thousand people in their stadium, you know, they're exactly. gonna have a hard time uh, competing. They'll never, they'll never survive, and then the league is gonna have to compensate. And the league will never survive if they have yeah. guys like this. Uh, so no, and, I, it's, uh, and I think here in North America, we're more turned to, we want uh, equilibrium. We want balanced leagues. We want competitive leagues. You know, we don't have like the top, like in Portugal, do you have the top three teams and then you have the rest, right? Yeah. Um, we, yeah. we don't have that here. We like to see the, the, the last place team 
like beat the first place team sometimes. We like the underdog sure. underdog story here in in North yeah. America. Yeah. But I like the idea. I've never I had never heard it before. But I like the idea. Maybe on a second tier we can introduce that yeah. relegation promotion yeah. because I do believe there is um, uh, an advantage to it. Yeah. Yes, you want yeah. incentive for the players to, to do well. You can put money behind it. You can, you know it's uh, absolutely uh, the right way to push to push excellence. Yeah, right? to, to, exactly. To try to find the best. Or else it just becomes stagnant. It just yeah. becomes, okay, I'm getting my paycheck, I'm playing. But if you're getting your paycheck, and if you finish last place, you're not getting your paycheck because you're going yeah. to getting demoted, then exactly. people start thinking differently, right? Yeah, exactly, so exactly. You have to, yeah, definitely, especially in pro sports, find a way to, to get that regulation. Uh, yeah. Because MLS can't, also, because they keep wanting to expand also, and they can't end up having... 30 some odd teams also at the same time, unless they go the way of maybe major league baseball, where you have two distinct leagues, yeah. maybe, maybe uh, the West and the East. Listen, maybe when you get, uh, when you get to uh, enough teams in the MLS, maybe to 40, then you yeah. make, then you can make two groups. Yeah. Make your, 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 thing, yeah. your division one, division two MLS. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that would be a, an yeah, option to look for. Fun. So that's, that's interesting in the years to come to see where that is going. Yeah. Okay, my last subject I'd like to talk on, we cannot escape from talking about this as uh, a former player, is the rebranding uh, of the Montreal Impact into the CF Montreal. First, um, the name. I, I want to touch on the name, just the name. Before we go into the logo, just want to talk about the name. Do you think that changing it to a more... Um, Soccer friendly name was the right way to go. The easiest answer for me would be no comment. Right <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to open up to you. Uh, they should have never, in my opinion, touched anything. They mm -hmm. should have not touched the name. Like, okay, you, you asked me the question, okay, do you like the name? Or what should it have been? Mm -hmm. I, I can't even answer that because yeah. it shouldn't have ever changed. Yeah, in my, in my mind, did it need a, a kick in the butt? Did the did the did the, the franchise need a kick in the butt? Yes, mm -hmm. it did. You know, it needed a it needed a wake up call. Uh, the branding, the new branding, is is definitely a way to do that. It's uh, maybe a corporate way to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing the facts and figures and the stats and the numbers and uh, and the past uh, consensuses and the surveys and all all of that, but. Again, I, 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 I resort back to, um, to, to I believe I, I spoke to you about this. After 25 years of the Montreal Canadiens, after the first 25 years of their existence, they say to everybody, okay, we're changing our name. Mm -hmm. It would be a, a shame yes. you know, that we wouldn't have the Montreal Canadiens right now. And yes. I think that's what, it, what, what happened is it is a kind of a shame that we don't have the Montreal Impact anymore. Yeah. Uh, for what what people have, you know, we started from scratch. They built this team. They built the name. Uh, a lot of people had a great attachment to this team. Yeah, of course. Uh, and to not even, I don't know, it was also kind of like uh, put out in surprise, I think. Like yes. not too many people knew about it. Mm -hmm. uh, not too many people were maybe consulted about it. It was the people in charge and that's it. Or, or the league, or I'm not sure who it was. A marketing team around the table, basically. Yeah, 
brainstorming uh, and decided this. player that played the game, they're all going to tell you, we don't like it. I'm going to tell you, I don't, I don't like it. And also, I think they needed to do it. Mm-hmm. I really don't think they needed to do it. I think they needed to have a better product on the field. Uh, they were struggling with that, uh, struggling with consistency in coaching, cons- uh, struggling with the consistency of having an identity, of uh, getting the fans in and, and, uh, and being re- relatable. But again, that's that's also the bigger market, right? The bigger market is you bring in bigger guys for one year, maybe two years, and they're gone. You know, mm-hmm. you're trying to win and they're gone. Yeah. You know, you're not building a community anymore. You're just exactly. you're trying to build winners. Uh, yeah. So that kind of hurt the team and all those things maybe push them to feel that, okay, our only way out is to rebrand. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they were losing a lot of revenue and how to recuperate revenue, maybe an idea. Maybe they see it in their stats and their surveys, but as a Montrealer, as an ex-player, as a, a fan of the game, I really, really do not... Uh, you feel like that maybe they're not erasing, but putting aside all that history that the, yeah. the club has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was the Manic back in the day. Yeah. Uh, Manic, the Supra. Which was, yeah. a, which was fantastic, but it died. Mm-hmm. And now you don't hear about the Manic. Exactly. Yeah. You don't see any clips. You don't beat people for the Manic anymore. Yeah. So that's, that's kind true. of what, 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 what it feels like. Like the impact is dead. Oh, I remember those days. Yes, yes, that was, those were the days. But yeah. So as yeah. if all the, the the new Google searches will all take over, right? Uh, CF Montreal. I, I I I could see. I've changed my mind. I know I told you that maybe I liked the logo not as much, but the, the name change I thought was inevitable. Yeah. But I think now after a bit being being back and watching it and thinking about it, I think that maybe they could have found a way to. Um, more soccerized, let's say if that's yeah. a word, the name without changing it completely. No, exactly. You know, you exactly. keep the, the name impact or FC or CF, yeah. but impact, you know? Yeah, and uh, impact, maybe the logo. Maybe yes. in the logo or, or in the logo, logo something, something, yes. Yeah, yeah, but again, who are we to say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're just you here know, to criticize. We're not, we're, not, we're not losing millions of dollars. No, no, so, that's, again, that's, that's also true. You, you have to just uh give credit to what the, the ownership is trying to do is trying to make things better um uh, again i just don't like it and we can't say he's had it easy since he's been uh, uh owner uh financially at least wise towards yeah. the, towards this team yeah. so to have an owner that's willing to to lose that much money and and stay on and and still yeah. support this team uh, it's, well, it's and, still... and i'm sure and i'm sure it, it cut through joey like a knife Oh yeah. See to, to, to lose the impact name because he's a very he looks like a very proud guy. So to, oh, yeah. to having to do that must have been uh, hard he, for him. He built this team, right? Yeah. He, he, it's he his baby. Behind the scenes on everything, he built the team. He built the name. I'm sure it killed him to to say, "Oh no, we have to go in a different direction mm-hmm. because the revenues aren't aren't matching the." So, like, I understand it. I understand it completely. I, but I, again, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one. Trust me. I've, <laughs> I've had so many conversations with friends, and yeah. uh, some of them really don't like it. That yeah, it's the like stuff they say, I cannot repeat years. here. <laughs> it's like you lost your last thirty years, right? Your yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll give them credit on, 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 on this. Is I like that the last two years. 
they've they've decided to leave that mentality of getting players towards the end of their careers and yeah. coming more to like sell tickets and jerseys yeah. and stuff. And now we're going more into the the identity of forming players yeah. or or buying them young. So then you have a capacity of being yeah. able to sell them also, which yeah. which MLS should should concentrate on that on yeah. on buying players and not too expensive from South America yeah. or, or from yeah. second yeah. divisions yeah. in Europe. The build them up and then sell them again. Yeah. And then sell them at a, at a, at a good profit. Absolutely. At a profit, exactly, yeah. exactly. And like you see our team now, like it's doing very well. Yeah. And you see they're younger guys or yeah. the guys that they got from Scandinavia. Have something Italy. to prove. Yeah, something to prove. And, uh, and then that's soccer. You, yeah. you can't just be complacent. Complacency yeah. is not going to bring you anywhere. No. So, yeah. And don't uh, don't get me wrong. I loved that year, the, the first year Drogba came and it was yeah. – It was amazing for soccer in Montreal. Yeah. The st the atmosphere at the stadium was amazing. Yeah. Uh, the goals the goals he was scoring uh, day in yeah. day out were yeah. amazing. But in the long term, yeah. what we want for the future of this team, I, I prefer this approach. Yeah, no, I, I do as well, and it's uh, yeah, it, it builds good uh, good habits for the future future uh, players coming in. It's a And again, they're, they're fun to watch. Like uh, yeah. they are uh, a lot better to watch this yeah. year. Uh, a lot more dynamic, a lot quicker, a lot. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're heading in a good direction. I'm glad to see it because uh, we had a few ups and downs over the years. And these players look like they like to play for Nancy, so that's also good. Then they yeah, they want they want to perform for him. Oh, mm. for sure. You know, he's not a name that played. He's not Thierry Henry. He's mm -hmm. not uh, a Remy Guard that played yeah. at high levels. Uh, Shalabong, you know, yeah. So, so yep. it's it, it's hard, like even for Moro, but but when the guys are from here or they know the system here, uh, they they feed off the passion. Yeah. Okay. So like when Moro did well here, it's guys I'm sure fed off him. Yeah. Right. And they, they yep. know who he is, and so I think the guys are rallying around uh, Will and Jay and uh, Simon and. Uh, So it's it's good. It's it's a good. Uh, it's a really good uh, time right now we're having with a younger mix of guys, and the respect is there, and everybody has something to prove. Yeah. Montreal, you know, Montreal has a lot to prove. They, it's they a, it's interesting, and the fact that they have to that they have to play away from home in Florida, uh, yeah. like the other day, you're basically you're playing a home game. <laughs> In the stadium of your opponents, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you end up winning the game 2-0 against Miami. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no. that's maybe that's galvanizing also for them, you know. Oh, for it's sure. like them against the world. Yeah, it is. At a certain point, it is. It might take a toll on them too. You know? Yes, but physically. Yeah. So there's, but but it is definitely a factor of, uh, for them to, to come together quicker, because at the end of the day, you're gonna you're gonna spend more time with your team than your real family. Okay, yeah. so if you guys are all coming together, a bunch of young guys, you get along, uh, you go out together, uh, you, you hang out together. I'm going out now, but yeah. trying to hang out as much as you can together, it's uh, it's important for for championship teams. And I'm definitely interested in uh, seeing where they can go in this season. It's very uh, interesting for me to yeah, watch. It looks promising and exciting. Yeah, and fun. All right, uh, Nevio, I appreciate so much you coming on. Thank you so much. This was amazing. It was a fire conversation. <laughs> I hope uh, I hope uh, the audience enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, thanks a lot, Nevio. I'll see you soon.
Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Take care. See you guys. All right, guys.